My psychic senses are telling me that you are spiritually curious. I'm just kidding. If you found your way here, most likely <laughs> you are interested or curious about energy, the secrets of the universe, the magic of the unseen. There is a lot of conflicting information out there about how to tune into energy beings properly, how to build your intuition, how to cleanse things, yada, yada, yada. I know how overwhelming it can be, so I created a one-stop shop for all of your spiritually curious, psychic expansive self-care needs where you can build your own spiritual practice with guidance, tools, and a safe place to explore your curiosities and connect to your intuition. There's a ton of crash courses covering topics ranging from meeting your spirit guides to trans-channeling to manifesting. You get distance Reiki healings for a wide range of needs, such as moving through discomfort or support stepping into a new chapter or even help calling in creativity. Subscribers get 15% off all full-price services, a monthly group Zoom hangout where the weird is our normal. There are exclusive channeling videos, expansive conversations, guided meditations, movement meditations, weekly reflections, intuitive practices, this podcast, ad-free and as a video, and so much more. New content is uploaded every week, so there's constantly new stuff for you to learn from, digest, and various practices to keep you grounded in your body. And all of this, might I add is only $7 per month. So if you're ready to align to your best self and show up as your inner being, a priceless investment in yourself, you can head over to channelwithamber.com slash subscribe to give it a peek. I'll see you over there. Hello friends, welcome back to Diary of a Psychic Medium with me, Amber Amrine. Today we're going to go into part two of our discussion about relationships and spirituality. This week we'll be going into the concept of soulmates, twin flames, healing from heartbreak, and so much more. This is going to be a long one. <laughs> Here we go. There is so much to cover today. I'm really excited to get into this one. I was really close to making a part three just because there is so much to talk about, but I figured I'd keep it concise and perhaps explore other parts of specific topics in future episodes. While this conversation will span outside the framework of romantic relationships to other types of relationships like friendships, familial ones, pets, etc., it's somewhat heavily focused on romantic relationships, so I just want to start by saying that romantic relationships are not necessary for spiritual growth, just as the lack of them is not either. It's a personal choice, both offer a lot of opportunity for growth, and both feed into our expansion. They have different requirements and may take us down different paths, but both are completely valid depending on what resonates best with you. Secondly, and we'll get into this more soon, all relationships offer us something. So try not to compare what I'm about to share with current partners or try to force them into a specific box. All relationship types are valid. None are better than others. They all have their pros and cons. Honor what you've got because it's unique and it has a purpose, whatever that may be. <laughs> all right, so we are all familiar with the term soulmate. Society has fed this narrative to us that there is another half of us out there somewhere waiting to come and complete us. This is usually referred to as the soulmate. 
It's in, like, Disney movies where a princess and prince find true love. It's in romantic comedies, dramas. It's all over the place. There are TV shows about marriage and weddings and love stories, and we just eat it all up. (laughs) As I talked about last episode, this idea of being together with your true love forever is a fairly new concept that came about through the Romanticism era in the late 1700s. It's a very attractive concept, but it can sometimes put a lot of strain and pressure on people that just doesn't need to be there. This may manifest as someone staying in a dysfunctional relationship, as I did because they felt they found their missing half, or leaving a relationship the second any sort of disagreement or misunderstanding pokes in because they feel that means the person isn't their soulmate. It can either create an issue with overcommitting or undercommitting. Not for everybody, but for some. Rather than going into a relationship looking for your other half, we are able to make the most out of a relationship when we go in with the understanding that we are each a whole being. A relationship is a third entity created by two, or more, complete people. It is this third entity that offers us support, understanding, teamwork, healing, companionship, etc. But it only exists because multiple people are investing their time and effort to foster it. It's the same thing with friendships. You can't have a relationship without a give and take. That give and take is creating this third little body, which is the relationship. There is a difference between loving someone and being attached to them. There needs to be some sort of independence and autonomy present in a relationship, otherwise you lose yourself. Fostering this relationship baby you have created together and seeing it as such allows you to remain grounded and present in the relationship so you can find balance and healthy dynamics. You are you, they are they, And your relationship connects some of those pieces together in the middle, but you are still who you are. When approached in this way, relationships can allow us to tap into incredible growth. They teach us to trust that another can have our best interest at heart. They teach us the power of open, honest, compassionate conversations, which is ultimately important for any type of relationship. There's a way to talk to somebody that doesn't attack their ego or place blame on them or projects your fears on them, but explains, this is how I feel, this is where it's coming from, this is what's kind of triggering that, and this is what I need. A relationship created on a solid foundation will help us foster this type of healthy communication. As we practice being vulnerable with people, it allows us to trust ourselves and those we choose to give our time and energy to. They can help further foster our constant discovery of how valuable and worthy we are. Relationships can also make clear our weaknesses and areas still in need of healing. The goal here is to process these in a healthy way, being mindful not to project them or take them out on your partner, but rather take note of what needs work, make a game plan, and put that awareness into action. When we are attached to someone or go into a relationship mirroring what we see or what we hear or what we're trained to want and have rather than what we actually desire and our natural urges, it is very easy to begin projecting fears onto our partners, hopping into codependent situations, overlooking our intuition, and falling into unaligned matches. It just kind of blinds us. Love is not something you have to work for. 
It is who you are. It is what you're made of. It is at the base of everything. It is source energy. You are love. You deserve love. You radiate love. It is flowing through your body every single moment. When you come to honor yourself and love yourself or make the steps to begin doing that, you begin tapping into this truth which can further be fostered, expanded, explored with another being of love. This is when a really powerful spiritual path can be opened for you. Love makes space for growth, movement, respect, boundaries, mistakes, insecurities, communication, understanding, emotions, exploration. When you expand upon the experience of being and sharing love from a pure grounded state of mind, it can make space for so much growth and understanding. It's an incredibly powerful teacher. It's so easy to compare our partners to other people, past relationships, movies, our dream person, (laughs) but this takes away from this beautiful person we have chosen to spend time with. If things really don't align, that's one thing, but if they do and we just keep losing interest, perhaps it's time to explore this person and yourself deeper. What are your beliefs revolving around romance, relationships, abandonment, loneliness, rejection? How do you approach or interact with each of those concepts? In reflecting upon your definitions and interactions with each, what feels good about your current beliefs and approaches, and what doesn't feel good? What can you shift? How can you shift it? Our ego operates off of what is familiar because it deems that it's safe, so if we've experienced a lot of rejection, for example, then we're obviously going to prepare for it to happen before it does because that's the safest option. Unfortunately, this does more harm than good because we end up approaching everything like we are or will be rejected, which then makes us rejected and keeps us stuck in a self-sabotaging loop. If you have become aware that you have self-sabotaging behaviors or beliefs that don't feel healthy and expansive for you, then it's time to change them. Stay mindful of your actions and reactions deconstruct them to understand what is fueling or causing them, understand that there are multiple ways of approaching a situation, perhaps even reflect upon if anyone you know has a different way of approaching such issues that may be a better, healthier option for you, and have the courage to carry all of that out. It may help to detach yourself from the situation a little bit. Uh, My favorite way of doing this is looking at life like a grand puzzle. Everyone is a different version of you, because they are, and things are placed strategically to help you find a solution. It's like a personalized little brain buster. There's nothing to lose in this game and everything to gain. You want to try to figure out the puzzle by brainstorming various methods of moving forward and trying to decide what would work best and why. You don't want to make any rash decisions, but rather be mindful of how you move and why you do. Everything is perception. People have vastly different definitions and approaches to the original concepts that I said, relationships, abandonment, loneliness, rejection, whatever. So you can too. Just because a certain pattern has been present for a while or it's how those around you operate doesn't mean you have to accept it. You can choose a different belief and take new steps to ensure you fully align with these new views. There's no one forcing you to view things a certain way. You always have a choice. Taking up a new approach to something may feel vulnerable and scary, but allowing yourself to try on more aligned views only brings us more happiness, light, 
fulfillment and abundance. You have everything to gain from aligned change. Anything lost wasn't in alignment with you anyway, so sayonara. (laughs) It's like the saying of the elephant and the rope. If you tie a baby elephant by a rope to a post, tie their leg to a post, it isn't strong enough to break free. And as it grows, it continues to think that it cannot fight the rope. The rope is stronger than it. It's got no chance. As it becomes an adult with more than enough strength to break free, it remains in place, tethered by the rope because it doesn't think it's strong enough. Change in new ways of operating may feel intense and impossible, but you are far stronger than all of that. You do not need to remain tied to things that don't serve you. Life is way too precious for that. In relationships, we are faced with our insecurities and wounds. Be aware of what bothers you or hurts your feelings. Be aware of where discomfort arises in your body. Be aware of how you naturally react or what your coping mechanisms are. Being mindful of yourself, approaching the journey into a relationship as one of curiosity, again, like it's like a puzzle or experiment, this like perfectly personalized thing just for your soul to gain and expand and grow and all that good stuff, allows you to begin detaching from the over-exaggerated emotional perspective of a situation and instead settle into the very base, matter-of-fact, totally grounded reality devoid of that exaggeration and emotional uh, labeling and stuff, of what is occurring. Through that, you can reflect upon the best way to reach your goal, not in a manipulative emotional way, but in a way that actually helps you get where you want to. This requires a lot of work on yourself, a lot of processing, a lot of vulnerability, a lot of courage, but the benefits are immeasurable. One big lesson relationships have taught me is the power of understanding and staying grounded in who you are and releasing other people's views of you. You can't control other people and their perceptions. Everything we experience is tinted with our history. Nothing is ever personal. If we are secure with who we are, who matters to us, and prioritize how we feel about other people rather than how they feel about us. We are able to begin moving past having to have the final word or not look weak or not look vulnerable or not look bad. You just kind of like put that stuff down and just look at the base root of things. Again, you just want to solve a problem, make sure there's harmony, make sure there's balance, try to grow together. You don't need any of that like extra stuff making it all loud and crazy. When you have good intentions, release the need to correct your image Take responsibility for yourself and your actions with humility and proceed with curiosity. That is seriously a powerful secret weapon. Seriously. (laughs) Sometimes relationships can serve as band-aids to cover up parts of insecurity. While some insecurities may find healing in a relationship, a majority of them won't go away and will just kind of poke their little heads up during tumultuous times until they're faced and processed. Yes, love means seeing someone and accepting them for being human and everything that may encompass, but it also means supporting and raising them to greater heights. So, rather than using a relationship to lean on when you feel bad, use it to face things together and work through things. Find solutions rather than constant band-aids. 
See them in yourself for who you are. See what you have to offer to each other and honor the present of that with exploration rather than expectation. Expectation can start playing upon trained views, cause comparison, and just take you away from the power your connection holds. Again, if things are really bad or there's no more growth that a relationship can offer, then by all means move on. You can't serve yourself or anyone else unless you help yourself first. If a situation is pulling you away from that and your well-being, perhaps you need to be on your own for a little while to regain stability. Take responsibility for your actions and needs and hold space for what that honestly means for your relationship. Don't take it out on others. Use them as red flags to point you inwards at areas in need of healing, care, love, and attention. Also, keep in mind that sometimes foundations have to crumble in order to rebuild. If life feels like a hot mess, try to really care for yourself, find a support system, rest, drink water, process. It's a good sign there's a huge transformation happening, so just keep going one step at a time. Deep spiritual relationships come in with a purpose to help us grow, learn, find ourselves. When you meet someone with a very significant energetic role for you, an intense energetic contract, you may feel it immediately, whether good or bad feelings. Sometimes someone we dislike greatly becomes our best friend or offers us incredibly difficult hardship (laughs) that then brings about lessons. There are multiple types of deep energetic relationships or connections. The first we'll discuss are karmic relationships. In these, a person comes into our life with the purpose of completing an outstanding lesson from a past life or multiple past lives. There is a lot of history here with their soul, which can complicate interactions and make things a bit rocky and kind of hot and cold. These types of relationships will often end once the lesson is completed, but not always. Depending on the dynamic and the lesson, it may be a lifelong lesson or the purpose could be to find harmony and then just kind of support each other. Sometimes it could be short term. It varies. Karmic relationships can be present in anything from friendships and romantic relationships to mentorships and familial relationships. Specifically, romantic or friendship-wise, these people may feel very familiar and thus we feel deeply connected to them very quickly. They may cause a roller coaster of emotions and drama in your life, yet something just keeps pulling you towards them. Old patterns may also surface when you interact with them or when turbulence hits your relationship. Something may not feel right about being with them. You may feel like dazed or in a trance when you're around them, like you're just not fully present in your body. And then when you're gone, you may just kind of have a bad taste in your mouth, yet something just keeps pulling you back in. (laughs) A boyfriend I had in high school definitely fit this description, and it was such a bizarre blur of a relationship. Karmic relationships can feel very strange. The person may drain you, they may test your morals, values, goals, and cause you to question yourself and your decisions a lot. If and when you do let them go, however, they may feel a little stuck in your brain and you may keep thinking about them. They can feel a little addictive just due to the familiarity and history there, so do what you need to to cope. Trust your intuition. Trust that it came to an end for a reason and really, like, heal yourself. Do what you gotta do. 
I'll discuss some ideas about how to heal in the second portion of this episode. If you feel you are in this type of relationship and it is causing some serious destruction for both of you, walk away and get some space. It isn't worth hanging on to something just because it's familiar. You need to prioritize your own well-being and you can go back when you're both more matured on the lesson and the tools needed. But if things are just like hot and fiery, it's just going to pull you down and get some space if you need it. If you are both prioritizing growth and expansion despite the constant difficulty, however, you may want to hang in there just to work through those loose ends. It's okay to understand that you aren't meant to be with someone, yet put in work to ensure both of you are stable until you split apart. You know, breakups don't have to be ugly just because you aren't a good fit for someone. You can still try to, like, help stabilize each other and just, like, end things cleanly and calmly. Next, we're going into soul family relationships. We are all one, but as things expand out from source, things become grouped into certain categories of similar feeling energy. Energetically, at the soul level, this will look like groups of souls that are connected together by a similar frequency and work together to fulfill their soul's purpose. These beings often feel very familiar and very safe. When you look into their eyes, it may feel like you're connecting on a deeper level, or there's an unspoken understanding that you guys see and, like, feel each other just very deeply. There's just, like, a mutual, like, ooh, I see you and I know you. (laughs) They'll make you feel energized. You'll naturally feel very drawn to them. You'll be on the same page of understanding for many things. You can talk to them about anything and everything. You help each other understand yourselves and the world around you in an expansive way. You may inspire each other or fuel each other. They help you be the best you can be and make you feel good about yourself and make you feel safe. To find your soul family, you need to align with you. Get to know yourself. Do self-work. Prioritize yourself and what fuels you. Treat yourself with kindness, care, love, and respect. Treat others the same way. Be open and willing to make needed changes to step into your power and honor why your energy is here. In other words, listen to my other episodes, (laughs) take the active steps, and you'll be golden. (laughs) When you align with yourself and do the work to discover who that is, you call in like-minded people that will only help you accomplish that more. These relationships can be more casual, short-term ones, or they can be lifelong. They're just other beings that operate on a very similar frequency as you. So, you know, they may just kind of come and go, but you'll just be attracting them more. You'll feel them more. There's more room for collaboration and interaction with them. A deeper version of this would be a soulmate. They'll be part of your soul family, yet your connection to them will be far deeper than your average soul family member. Kind of like in real families, you may be tied by blood, but some people just get you better than others. You know, just some of them, you just, just feels, feels a lot better. You just get each other. Soulmates bring us security, support, love, nourishment, and safety. There is a deep connection with them, a deep understanding of who the other is, a sense of familiarity, and a sense of being in sync with each other. The goal is for them to help you find yourself, trust yourself, trust your environment, and vice versa. Essentially like a soul family member, but it's a bit more enhanced and saturated. 
Soulmates can come through in friendships, relationships, with pets, family members, and so on. You can have many at once and meet them at various points of your life, or you may just get an influx of a couple all at once. Unlike what is expressed in the media, these relationships don't always last forever, and that's okay. They'll be there right when you need them and will always have a special place in your heart and mind. Soulmates will play a big part in our lives while they are in it and have a huge part of our development, whether that be revolving around aligning with love or facing big life lessons. This can be for a moment, a season, or long term. You may complement each other's weaknesses and strengths. These relationships can be very deep where nothing is off limits. Unconditional love is present and you guys support each other in a way that allows both of you to really just realize and accept who you are. Soulmates themselves are not perfect and may not be immediately recognizable. If someone is stuck in heavy patterns, refusing to move and expand, they may overlook potential soulmates. If you don't welcome love, growth, and connection, you won't maintain relationships that try to get you there. It's all part of the learning process and nothing to worry about. We are always given multiple chances to accomplish what our soul is supposed to accomplish. As long as you take steps to better yourself and connect to your intuition, you'll be fine. You'll find your way to some really wonderful soulmates. (laughs) Sometimes it could be like your worst enemy and then all of a sudden you guys both kind of shift energetically and all of that like muddiness is cleared away and you guys just get each other, you know? Um, energy is constantly shifting, so there are so many ways soulmates can come into our lives at different times. It's just kind of like a nice divine support group. The ending of soulmate relationships can feel very confusing. I had a friendship throughout middle school and high school with someone that was absolutely a soulmate of mine. She was my best friend and was just everything I could have asked for like a little buddy during that time. And after, right after high school, she just kind of fell off the planet and stopped talking to me. And that was the last time I heard from her. Then that turbulent relationship I was in before my current one had me really confused because there were so many signs that things were right and were fed the belief that once you find a soulmate, they're there forever or you're always yearning for them to come back, which neither of them proved to be true. I did not want that back and it wasn't meant to last. That former partner of mine and I had created a little symbol to like represent our initials. It was a really cheesy little like heart thing. I was hiking with Lewis, my current partner, one day. This was like two years into our relationship and I saw in the dirt that someone had drawn the exact same symbol really large, like two feet by two feet big. It stopped me in my tracks because it was a obviously a very specific symbol and it didn't make sense that somebody would randomly draw it. I still honestly don't know what that was about, how that, I have no idea. There's a lot of mystery there. But I understand now that he was my soulmate when I was operating at the level that I was. Our time together taught me so much about myself made a huge impact on who I am now, but he didn't want to grow very quickly, and that's fine, but I did, and I tend to grow very quickly, which just caused misalignments to happen. Any weird coincidences or reminders of our connection, like that symbol, 
occurred to honor a specific type of love and experience. It doesn't mean I need it again, but there was a sweetness to it that I may fall into alignment with every so often. So it'll naturally show up around me as things that kind of represent that. It's the signature of a specific love frequency. Soulmates are not always forever, but they impact us greatly. They usually come in right when we need them to help us learn something or just better our state of operating. It doesn't mean everything is always peachy in this. It can be rocky because we're all still human. But for the most part, soulmate relationships tend to be very light and lovely. They'll be more focused on like companionship and community and stuff like that. Karmic relationships will feel a bit more turbulent and kind of knock you off balance. And then twin flame relationships, which we're going into right now, will feel very divine and healing, yet they really challenge you. Twin flames share the same soul, so this goes beyond the soulmate. You branch off of the same soul rather than just belonging to the same like tight-knit soul family. Sort of like the difference between twins and cousins. You know, twins are just very deeply connected, whereas with cousins, it's like, yeah, you could be friends, but it's not the same. <laughs> Out of all of these different types of soul relationships, I feel like twin flames are the most misunderstood due to a lot of labels and preconceptions being forced upon them due to over-romanticized ideas. Just like with the other types, there will typically be an immediate spark of understanding that you know each other. Again, there are exceptions to this. People are changing. Things happen. But I would say like 90% of the time, you usually know that there's a deep connection happening pretty immediately. There will be a magnetism to them that draws you in and sparks a lot of curiosity you will be very deeply connected on all levels, mentally, emotionally, physically, energetically, soulfully. Due to the intense familiarity and connection, many twin flame relationships end up romantic because we're human and that's how we often interpret those types of deep connections. But not all are and not all are meant to be. Twin flame relationships can be very intense. Everything complements each other. Your fears, strengths, weaknesses, understandings of the world, etc. They may be very opposite, yet complementary in some ways and completely identical in others. Going back to the Divine Feminine episode, it's like how yin and yang complement each other. They may appear to be opposite from the outside, but looking in, they fill in and complete each other. This does not mean that you are incomplete until you meet your twin flame. You are always complete. It's just that their traits fill in and challenge yours. They, like, work cohesively. You're essentially different aspects of a whole. Your essences will be very similar since you share the same soul, but the way you explore and experience that essence will be different. When we are active in a lifetime, so when we are... When we are in a body, there's only like a small portion of our soul's traits that are present. So with twin flames, there'll be some same and some different portions from your soul that are like in each of you, you know, which is where the complementary stuff comes in. You are not the exact same being. You just come from the same concentrated pool of consciousness and happen to be exploring life at the same time. So there is a balancing out that happens. 
Your weaknesses may be their strengths. Your darkness may be balanced by their light. Your interests may be balanced. If you struggle with following rules and being structured, your twin flame may be very structured and, like, respectful of expectations. This will provide both a challenge sometimes and an opportunity for balance and understanding. Some big life events may mirror each other, especially once you've made contact with them since your energies will sort of, like, synchronize. You may also have very similar lessons or complementary ones to accomplish, such as the last example. One of you may be more mature or developed than the other, which may then manifest out as a sort of like guide or teacher-student type role. Due to the familiarity and safety in this person, you can be true to you. You can talk about everything and anything. You can expand together. Again, very similar to soulmates and soul families, but this is like on an even more deeper level. It's like that on steroids a little bit. That's the purpose of this sort of relationship. It's to challenge each other to grow and expand incredibly deeply together. You ground each other, yet there is room for outward personal growth. You aren't everything to each other. You're not supposed to be. If you are, then that can be going into, like, toxic stuff. Um, yeah. <laughs> These relationships, when utilized to their fullest potential, are supposed to provide a base to keep growing, exploring, sharing your light with the world. It's not meant to stay stationary, entranced in one place, but it's supposed to move and expand out to gain a bigger reach. It's a two-for-one situation. They allow us to really explore and understand the concept of oneness. These relationships can be very difficult because their purpose is growth. Arguments can be very triggering and intense as deep pains are hit right on the nose so that you can face them and heal them. The purpose is to push into a state of bettering yourself by facing yourself rather than by covering and hiding and hurting others. Despite the intensity, they are not meant to be toxic relationships. They can get toxic if one or both people are not ready and willing to face themselves, but as long as you let your ego go and come together honestly and vulnerably with the intention of getting the work done, all will be fine. Not everyone has a twin flame and not everyone is ready for one. If you aren't ready for the deep shifting that comes about from them, it can cause a lot of low self-esteem, spiraling, bad stuff. It's just not for everyone at every point in time, and that's okay. Twin flame romantic relationships may not last forever. Some can, some don't, but the deep connection you have will never go away. If you have both reached the goal level of expansion or if one of you kind of steps back and can't take the intensity, it may sizzle out. There's this concept of like a runner and a chaser um, that happens with twin flames. So things can kind of be rocky and fizzle out or something like that. But there's always room and opportunity for some sort of relationship to be reestablished later. Sometimes if someone's ego gets in the way of their growth, this can cause an ending. These relationships are meant to test and release the deep hold of the ego. So if your ego is constantly being challenged and you have a hard time handling that, you may choose to leave. That's fine. <laughs> to call in a twin flame if you feel like you're ready for one and willing to embark on the adventure, you must work on yourself and be open to do the hard work. 
A twin flame may come in at a time when you aren't ready to undertake the deep work it brings, and that's fine. It's usually meant to kind of shake things up, but you ultimately have free will to go through with the relationship or not. People in a twin flame relationship can be of any gender, and it can be any type of relationship. There is a deep misconception that these relationships mostly apply to a man and woman in a romantic relationship. Neither is true. They come in all shapes, sizes, and forms. As the collective consciousness continues to rise at a very intense rate, the presence of twin flame relationships is increasing, which is really cool, and the awareness that someone is a person's twin flame is also increasing. So the ability to see somebody and know, hey, I think we share the same soul, is growing. When a twin flame dies or a relationship comes to an end, it can feel incredibly painful to lose such a deep soul connection It's important to reflect upon why the separation occurred, what it symbolizes, and understand that you are and have always been complete. Your happiness does not rely on them and their presence in your life. Mourn as you need to, find release in self-expression and self-love, care for yourself, and talk to the pain. You are not the pain. It is not you. It's simply a representation of the deep connection you had. Talk to it. What parts of you need healing? What is hurting? Where is it hurting? Why is it hurting? How can you help it transmute into a beautiful reminder of the connection and move forward? It is commonly believed that we have only one twin flame, so two people total, hence the term twin, (laughs) but we live in an expansive universe where things just keep wanting to explore the possibilities, so... While seemingly rare, there may be an extra soul floating out there somewhere for you. I prefer to call twin flames soul siblings just because I feel like there's a lot of misconceptions attached to the name, so it just kind of bothers me. I know that's a personal thing, but I'm going to switch over to the term soul sibling (laughs) for the rest of this conversation real quick. I met my soul brother a few years ago. We immediately knew we had a very deep connection. I have actually shared some of our experiences with extraterrestrials and such in previous episodes. I don't know which episodes or what stories, but typically if I say a dear friend of mine or something like that and it is a man, then it is probably him. (laughs) In my death and reincarnation YouTube video, I also shared about my memory of coming into Earth to begin reincarnating here. I don't remember how much detail I shared about that memory, but we came on a ship. It was me, him, my soul brother, and a couple other ETs. So our souls were separated then, and just throughout lifetimes, they kind of like separate and come back and like, I don't know. Our soul energy has just a lot going on, so it just tends to kind of like move and expand a lot. To make things even more interesting, (laughs) I received a download about, I don't know, maybe like two years ago, that there is a third split in our soul. Three is the number of the divine, so that's unsurprising, but definitely made me question and dive more into how and why souls split. This is a whole topic for another episode, but to make a long story short, our soul's energy holds a lot 
of energy and has a very specific purpose and thus has separated because or con- consistently separates and comes back because a sometimes there's just too much energy for one being and b it allows our energy to help more people by reaching more people this third soul brother of ours we actually found two weeks ago (laughs) so we're still understanding how that dynamic works shortly after realizing or connecting to our third soul brother i had a download that he was actually on the ship with us when we entered earth before our very first lifetime here so he's been here since the beginning but in this lifetime specifically in our current one he was a bit offline until very recently if you listen to the last episode i've got to say my venture into non-monogamy hit at a very fascinating time My initial soul brother and I went through an intense shift in early February that made me begin to, like, really contemplate and step into a different style of relationship. My new soul brother went through an awakening the exact same time, literally the same couple of days, which resulted in that third part of our soul awakening into him, changing his understanding and relationship with the world almost overnight. Pretty much overnight. It's crazy. As that soul bit awakened in him, I began to move further past things set in binary, which is very interesting. This all happened naturally without even knowing at the time that our third soul brother had come online. Additionally, he literally downloaded overnight what we had come to understand about ourselves and the world over the past couple of years, like all of the work we've been doing and downloads we've been receiving he just kind of came in already up to speed in that quick awakening. I will definitely share more about this in a future episode as it keeps unfolding because this whole situation seriously blows my mind. But in terms of my experience with Twin Flames, we tend to go through a lot of big shifts at the same time. So if like, if I'm feeling off or if uh, he's feeling off, um, we'll text each other. And now we've got our third soul brother. We haven't gone through that yet. But typically when there's something feeling off, we're all kind of feeling it. So it's kind of nice because you feel like you have a support team. You know, it's like you're not alone. Um, and it just really, like I said, expands the idea of oneness. We operate very similarly, but at the same time, we are fairly different. All of our strengths and weaknesses are found in varying degrees in each other, or we hold opposite traits that kind of balance things out. Our goals and interests are similar, but manifest in slightly different ways. Things in general are often similar, but different, and we all have something unique we bring to the table. But I'll kind of leave it there. You get the gist. Like I said, this is there's so much here that I will save for future stuff. We've been at this for a while now, so we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to hop into our last section of this conversation revolving around healing. Alrighty. First things first. Society tends to look at the ending of a relationship as a failure. I don't understand that, and I'll tell you why. We are constantly shifting, moving, growing, and especially when you're committed to another person, there may be situations where you have grown in different ways that no longer complement each other, 
Or you may have a complete shifting of values that no longer resonates with the other person and ultimately, like, doesn't serve them. That's okay. And things like marriage, just because you said you were going to be together till death do you part, doesn't mean you should be sometimes. (laughs) It can be really unhealthy. It can hold you back from stepping into your highest path. Or maybe it just doesn't feel right anymore and that's okay. Allowing yourself to support and honor a person and the most aligned path for them while doing the same for you is an incredibly beautiful, fulfilling thing. I think there needs to be a complete overhaul of social norms when it comes to relationships because a lot of things we are told and trained to do just don't allow room for growth and can keep you feeling really weighed down. In the grand scheme of things, the most important thing you can do for yourself is to step into your most aligned path, reach your true potential, or at least discover what that could be, and share your light with the world. That only helps you continue discovering who you are and helps people find the same for themselves in the process. Relationships can either help us accomplish this, be more neutral and not really make too much of a difference, or can totally hold us back from it. Fear of what others will think, fear of not feeling love like the current love you're experiencing, fear of not finding another partner, dealing with toxicity in the hopes that things will one day improve, etc. should not be prioritized. We live in an abundant, expansive universe. Lack is not in its nature, so it isn't yours either. That's a trained mentality that's been seeping through our society for a very long time, and that means that it does not have to seep into you. You do not have to accept lack. You can absolutely walk into abundance and expansiveness and love and opportunity. There's always more out there if you want it. You are not stuck. You have not seen it all. And there's always room for second chances if you stumble or feel like you made a mistake. As long as your intentions are pure and your flexibility is in gear, you'll be effortlessly guided to where your navigation is set to. You are not going through life alone. You are supported. Set your intention of how you want to experience life, connect to that intention and the feeling of it often, and allow the way to unfold before you. You are working in collaboration with Source. You have guides there to help you and support you and bring to fruition that intention that you are seeking. The biggest key in manifesting a partner is being those traits and that person for yourself. Like attracts like. You set those intentions nice and strong, becoming familiar with those traits and making them your reality, and others that match that will easily come into your life. When it comes to ending a relationship, trust and honor yourself. Understand that everything will pass, hard times, heavy emotions, etc. Try to find a support group, focus on your goals and reaching them, prioritize you. We'll get more into this soon. It's better to start over and find your freedom and happiness rather than dimming yourself a little more each day and like maintaining that for a few years. You know, it just gets to a point where things have got to change. One thing to keep in mind, it's important not to judge others immediately for differences. We can be complex and have different values and beliefs. That's the beauty of this universe. We explore various combinations of things. If your partner is not spiritual or does not feel like a soulmate or twin flame or does not check all the boxes of your dream person or whatever, that doesn't mean things are doomed. 
do you feel like growth is fostered with them? Do you feel nourished by them? Do you both want the best for each other? Do you both try to be the best you can for the other? Do you feel safe and open to speak your mind with them? Are you both committed to growing and bettering each other? Are your core needs being fulfilled? Or if not, is your partner willing and working towards fulfilling them? Those are the things that should be prioritized. I don't think any of my partners have been very spiritual, but they've all been very respectful and understanding of my beliefs and practices. What's important to me is being able to have open, deep, insightful communication. I know for deeply spiritual things, I have friends I can turn to to discuss things, but the conversations I have with my partners are satisfying in their own way. You may need a spiritual partner, and that's fine, but if you don't need it and if you're concerned that your partner isn't spiritual and how that compatibility works, just know that's okay. (laughs) You can still be compatible. It's the same with friendships. I have some friends that have completely opposite spiritual beliefs, and that's okay. It doesn't change anything. There are other areas that we bond deeply in that fulfill a desire for connection in those parts, and that's fine. We don't need to talk about beliefs. (laughs) We are all one. Again, I've said this many times. So as long as you can see past differences and accept others as they are, all will be great. Try not to force your partner into a box or constantly compare. When we compare and have expectations, we overlook a lot of what our partnership actually has to offer. Notice the good things they do. Notice what makes you happy. Reflect upon what drew you in in the first place. Again, if things are really unstable, that's a whole other conversation, but if you truly feel safe and secure, but the spark is kind of losing its shine, perhaps it's time to put your attention on the little things that have been overlooked. When you put your attention primarily on what's missing, you can't make the most out of the relationship. All you see is the missing pieces. If the relationship has to come to an end, give yourself time to grieve. Don't judge your emotions. Honor them, but also detach from them ever so slightly just so that you can understand that they will pass, that you aren't your emotions, but are just having an experience, and give yourself some slack. Also, keep in mind that there will be good days and bad days, and that's okay. Meet yourself where you're at, find something that makes you happy, find a new hobby, hang out with new friends, explore new things, read a new book. The end of a relationship has a way of really rejuvenating us with like fresh energy and possibility. It can be a very powerful time. So use that. It's a powerful force in healing as it allows you to reconnect with yourself and your environment to further foster your healing and growth. Practice self-care and self-love. Write yourself a love letter expressing all the ways you're lovable, the qualities you like about yourself, the qualities others like about you. Read this letter every day. Recite it to yourself in the mirror. Feel and embrace the love that lies at the root of your existence. You can listen to my self-care episode for a ton of self-care ideas, but just something to keep in mind, it may be worth making a list of various practices that do resonate with you so you don't have to think about it, think about what to do when you feel low. You can just go ahead and do it to get a quick pick-me-up without having to think about it. Allow yourself to honor the thoughts that come out about your former partner. Just allow them to come and go. Try not to judge them or hold on to them. Don't ruminate. Just see it, feel it, and ask yourself what you want to think about next. It's okay to remember a happy memory with happiness. 
honor the good times, respect the bad times, let them go, and figure out what types of experiences you want more of and less of in life. This can lend a hand into coming to an understanding of the split and finding purpose in it, which is also very healing. So use the relationship as a learning opportunity to decipher what you want in future partnerships, what you don't want, what you could have done better, what your needs are, how they could be better fulfilled, how you could better communicate how you want them fulfilled or whatever your needs are, etc., It may help the grieving process to have a list of reasons as to why the relationship didn't work, just so you can kind of, it'll help your mind keep distance, um, but also decipher what you do and don't want to experience again. Again, it doesn't have to be like a negative heavy thing, but sometimes we do need, sometimes we do need to just understand that things didn't work out and to prevent our hearts from taking over and trying to go back in, we just need to set boundaries for ourselves. Celebrate the uncoupling. This goes against social norms, but breakups don't have to be a terrible, painful thing. It's a renewed opportunity for expansion, so celebrate that. Feel excited for all of the new opportunities coming your way. Send love their way. Depending on the breakup, if you really love someone, you want the best for them. Just because things didn't work out doesn't mean you have to hate them. Send them love and wish them well. If they hurt you, doing this will also help you find forgiveness and peace, hoping that they kind of just figure things out one day. It frees you from the weight of anger and pain. Forgiveness is more about you than it is about them. It allows you to put your power into yourself and your needs rather than keeping it in them and ruminating on them. There are studies that show that love can have the same response in our bodies as addictions do. So breakups may mirror withdrawal symptoms. Sometimes just keeping that in the back of your mind may help you find peace as to why you keep thinking about and yearning for them. Allow yourself to thus detox from their energy for a little while so that you can gain control over the situation. You can't get the addiction, withdrawal, whatever, to leave unless you release yourself from its grip. If you are still living with your former partner or have kids with them or just need to see them often for whatever reason, setting boundaries can help with this if you can't fully kind of detach. Set boundaries with them, others, and yourself. Spend some alone time to reflect and do what fulfills you. Don't sit around and think about them all day or stalk them on social media. Try to keep it moving. Give yourself a break from the withdrawal symptoms. There's a difference between honoring emotions and getting stuck in them. You want to feel without judgment and move forward. Not just sit in torture all day, (laughs) dissecting the emotions and peeling off the scabs over and over. Allow yourself to explore your independence. Feel and keep going. Go outside. Grounding and connecting with the earth allows the earth's energy to replenish your field. So healing. So recentering. Connect to nature and the sun and just allow yourself to be and soak it in. Lean on people and help people help you. Let people know what you need to heal. People can't read your mind and won't know what you need unless you speak up. A vast majority of people have gone through similar feelings, most likely, and can understand your need for support in whatever way that may be, so tell them what you need. Explore movement. 
Exercise is such a powerful tool to help us heal. It literally heals us at the cellular level, resetting the effects of trauma on our DNA. I think I spoke about this a little bit in the trauma episode. Run, walk, bike, dance, do yoga. You can join a gym, follow YouTube videos, and or get a workout buddy. Just move your body. If the pain is too intense to handle, take a break from things that remind you of your former partner. Like, detach even more. Don't make it weird like an untouchable, superstitious thing, but don't put yourself in a place of listening to music that reminds you of them or the breakup or go to special places that only you guys would go to. You know what I'm saying? Give yourself space to heal. Find new songs. Find new places to go. (laughs) You don't have to keep reliving everything. Allow your energy to be spent on new things rather than ruminating and triggering old memories. Again, if children are involved and you must maintain contact, just keep it short and simple, perhaps even like sandwich contact uh, between good things um, and keep it focused on the kids. So if you're going to go see them, like try to do something that makes you feel good, see them and then do something else that makes you feel good. In the beginning, especially if it's a messy breakup and you really need space, you need to recenter yourself before you can kind of process things from a clear head. So for a couple weeks, if you need to kind of detach and distract, go for it, but do so mindfully and carefully. And then once it's kind of processed and healed a little bit, then you can start kind of digging deeper in and allowing things to go. Sometimes being in service can also help um, fill a void when the pain is really intense. Foster an animal, you can volunteer somewhere, help a neighbor, etc. Use crystals such as rose quartz to help heal your heart and surround yourself with loving healing. You can sleep with a rose quartz or whatever crystal you feel under your pillow. You can put one on your nightstand, keep it in your pocket, hang it on a necklace, keep it in your car, whatever. Try to keep it with you as much as possible. Remember to cleanse it often. If you're going through a lot, I would say probably once a week would be good. But on a normal, like, if you're doing okay and it's just there for extra support, then once a month is usually good. Redecorate and spring clean. Release the things that don't spark happiness. Create a sacred space. Reorganize, redecorate, move furniture around. Create a fresh space to foster your growth and healing. This is a new chapter. Create a new space. It also provides a sense of excitement, distraction, and reflection. Honestly, like reorganizing can feel very meditative sometimes. You can set an intention before getting into it. For example, if you want to just align with more like peace and happiness, then try to listen to your intuition as to where you should move things that would foster that sort of feeling. It would also be a good idea to cleanse your space while you're at it with either a cleansing botanical, bells, crystals, essential oils, whatever you like. One thing to be cautious of are rebounds. You want to make sure you process the former relationship and everything that happened so that you can keep going in a healthy way. When you jump right into something else, you may kind of cut that growth short and not fully heal and grieve and integrate those lessons. New connections can help with confidence and restabilizing and healing, but just proceed carefully and mindfully. 
since I am in the middle of transitioning out of a romantic relationship and into more of a companionship situation, I'm not going to lie, it's been really rough. It's hard and it's weird trying to heal when the person that you're healing from is around all the time, you know, and vice versa. But two things that have helped me most of all through this process are, one, understanding that I don't have to do everything with him and I don't have to have him to be the only person that I tell things to. I've been leaning on people more and sharing the funny, weird, just little things that happen day to day that you are excited to tell people that you love and hold near and dear, you know? So I've been trying to just foster those deep little playful relationships with more people. I'm also scheduling a lot more dates with myself and just time to just be by myself and honor me. Finding my independence and expanding my circle of people that I connect with has helped so much. Two, having a solid self-care routine has been everything. I was off of my morning routine for a little bit. I kind of, it was kind of on and off and I wasn't really prioritizing it. So I've been making sure I don't do that and actually like make the effort to make it happen. Last week, we went camping for a few days, which was so nice. It was such a great reset for my nervous system. So I've been trying to maintain that by really prioritizing my morning routine. I will wake up, I will go outside and do yoga, and then I will journal and reflect and ground and center and all that stuff. Then in the middle of the day, if I don't have dance rehearsal or a gig, because otherwise I will get very physically exhausted. Um, I will either go on a walk or a hike and then I will come back and immediately journal my reflections that happened during that time. Staying constantly in touch with myself, how I feel, how I can best move forward to continue fostering growth has done wonders in my processing and healing of everything. This is definitely one of the weirdest, most beautiful, most introspective relationship transitions I've experienced and those two things in particular for me personally have done wonders. All of this stuff, this list of things to help heal, obviously isn't an exhaustive list by any means and we all have different needs. Some things may resonate more than others but I hope it kind of gives you a base to draw from. There was so much to talk about this episode. Thank you so much for hanging on in there until the end. I appreciate you so much. I look forward to next time, and I am sending you so much love. Thank you so much for listening to Diary of a Psychic Medium with me, Amber Amrine. To learn more about me, my work, and such, you can visit channelwithamber.com or follow me on Instagram at channelwithamber. A special thank you to Unicorn Heads for my theme song, A Mystical Experience. See you next time. Thank you.